We rolled into Cinder at dawn, as the first gleam of sunlight cast a gray shade over the horizon. It sounds unnecessarily dramatic when I say it like that, as if we tried to time it that way. But in reality, the town was mostly quiet, and I only saw two or three windows lit up bright and golden by what seems to be... working electricity. There was no purpose to arriving so early. Only I couldn't sleep. There's something in the air that sits quiet and uneasy on my chest. I was too tense to lie down and close my eyes, but I was too restless to just keep watch while the stranger slept. So I roused the dogs and set out for Cinder, even though it was almost too dark to see the road. When the stranger woke up, we'd already been in Cinder for two hours. He blinked at the daylight in our surroundings and asked, intelligently, What? I told him that if his situational awareness was any worse, he'd probably walk off a cliff one day. He started to protest. I ignored him and told him we were in Cinder and get out of my cart. He blinked, frowned, and said, You look uneasy. You're just imagining things, I snapped. He looked at me for a moment. Cinder isn't so bad, he said. I know you're allergic to large human settlements, but the people here are nice. Where did you get the idea I don't like cities? I said. It wasn't really a question. I was just annoyed. He looked at me in disbelief anyways. So I told him, I just don't like the attention. Everyone knows each other, so I'm an obvious stranger here. Everyone's always looking. It was a partial truth, so he didn't catch on to the lie. Anyway, I said to him, you freeloaded long enough, so get out of my cart or I'll sick the dogs on you. Annoyingly enough, he didn't even blink. He just looked at me for a moment and said in a strange tone of voice, I guess this is goodbye then. I snorted. If you want to call it that, I said. You never told me your name, he said. Oh, just go already. You'll forget about me in a few months anyways, I said. But he shook his head. You didn't have to help bring me here, he said. It would have been difficult on my own. You really saved me, so thank you for that. He's really stupid. <laughs> I mean, listening to that guy? Unbelievable. Trying to turn this into an important and meaningful goodbye? We're strangers. We don't know each other. Don't know why he had to make such a big deal out of it. The stranger left, but not before he insisted on returning the gas mask I'd so thoughtfully lent him for the duration of our journey. Well, whatever. If he wants to go get himself killed now, it's not my responsibility anymore. Anyways, I'm going to stay in town for the day, just to get some new supplies, and see if I can't make some repairs to my cart, too. I think the air seals are getting a little bit worn. It'll be good to leave this town behind. I went about my business pretty easy, traded some of my kills and animal pelts for food and ammunition. People were suspiciously wary, but in the normal kind of way that comes with being a stranger in a place where everyone knows each other. I was paying the local butcher for some extra treats for the dogs when I heard someone next to me mention that the scientist's assistant was back in town. The atmosphere changed. It was strained, tense. I felt like any wrong move on my part would turn all their hostility on me and then I'd have to pull out a gun to get out of town safely. Normally, I'd ignore stuff like this, things that don't involve me at all. But, weird coincidence, this scientist's assistant arriving in town the same day as me. I think, 
Never mind. It doesn't matter. The point is, I watched, and I listened. And they said some weird things. They said this scientist's assistant should have been dead, that they thought he had died. It had been weeks since Ashtown, they said, but now he had the nerve to drag his sorry hide into Cinder, as if he had a right to be here. They said he should have died. They would be better off. What he'd done was unacceptable. The look on the stranger's face when he saw Ashtown wasn't the look of someone unbothered by the weight of what he'd done. It was helplessness and horror. Maybe I'm reading too much into things. I hope I'm wrong. Just in case, though, maybe I'll stay for a little longer or something. God, I want a drink. I went and got a drink. That was after dusk, when I got myself a meal from a local shop. People filed in as the sky grew dark, the proprietors got the drinks out, and things got pretty loud. The place was bright and crowded, and the lights filled the room with warm yellow light. Oh, did I mention that? This town is weird. They have more people than I thought any settlement might have, and they've gotten the old electrical systems up and working, and they've somehow set up the plumbing system. I don't know how they did it. It's really unnerving. And these guys don't have any gas masks or typical safety equipment on them either, which is the worst part of it, because you'd think anyone smart enough to get old tech running again would also, you know, be concerned about toxins in the air. And also the radioactivity, but there's nothing any of us can do about that. I sat to the side, trying to be unobtrusive. I didn't belong there after all. The alcohol was good. It stung on the way down. The way the room filled up, though, didn't feel like happy people on a social outing. Well, some of it was. But a lot of it was sort of angry, in a brash and exuberant way that could easily be mistaken for joy if you didn't look too closely. The people there had quite a few drinks. Some of them had pitchforks. A couple had crowbars. They'd come here for something. Anger, support, courage, who knows. Here's what I pieced together as I listened. Two weeks after Ashtown was destroyed, the survivors straggled into Cinder. Eight people. They came to Cinder because one of them had an ant here, and the rest didn't know what to do. The survivors told the ant about the brilliant doctor, sometimes scientist, who was always working away in the middle of the city and muttering to himself about his strange machines. They told her about, well, a lot of things. I stopped listening too closely. It's not my business, after all. But the point is, they held the scientist responsible for what had happened to Ashtown. Him, and his assistant. We'll run him out of town the way we did his predecessor, said the woman at the head of the table. Her pitchfork was held deceptively casual in her hand. And if he doesn't leave, then you know what we'll have to do. Grim but raucous, the group raised their glasses and knocked back a drink together. I paid for my meal and my drinks, and I left. My cart was where I'd left it, near the edge of town, with the dogs lounging around and guarding it from anyone who'd try to take a peek inside. I harnessed them up and got the cart ready to go, but... I don't know, a stupid impulse, maybe. I took Katja and I took an axe, and then I turned and walked back into town. It was easy to find them. I followed the silence, and then I followed the noise. The crowd was gathered in front of a small house. In front of them was the stranger, looking ill at ease, 
What am I saying? Of course he did. He was being confronted by the protectors of the town, and all of them wanted him gone or dead. I stayed hidden to the side and watched. The stranger gesticulated anxiously as he tried to negotiate with the woman at the head of the crowd, the same one with the pitchfork who'd spoken back at the shop. I didn't know anything about it, the stranger was saying. If I did, I would have stopped him. I did try to stop him. I already told you that's why I'm still alive. The woman looked unmoved. You were his assistant, she said. You helped him create everything he used to destroy the city. I didn't know, the stranger exclaimed again. He never told me that was what he would use it for. You helped him build it, the woman repeated. My nephew saw it. Seven others will vouch for it. Should I take the word of one person over theirs? The stranger bit his lip. His gaze darted around. I fought him when I found out, he insisted desperately. I tried to stop it. But apparently that was it. We do not want you here, the woman said. As if on cue, the people behind her shifted, their makeshift weapons coming up. You are a threat to our families. Leave this town. He looked pale. Where? He said. Then. What about me, then? What about my family here? Where does that leave me? Go find that scientist of yours, said the woman. Her voice not quite mocking, but almost there. He left in quite a hurry, though, so you'll have to be fast to catch up. The stranger opened his mouth wordlessly, closed it. He struggled with himself visibly. Then he said, He's not my scientist. He's not anything. I don't want anything to do with him. I, I'm staying here. He tried to say more, but the woman spoke right over him and said, Then you leave us no choice. The mob surged forward. The angriest among them shouted insults and hurled threats of violence. Many of them yelled. It was noisy, frightening, and it was excessive. For just one man. The stranger went down under the force of them, and whatever protests or cries of pain he made were lost in the commotion. Katja growled. I whistled a command, and she launched forward with a snarl, knocking down a few men. Confused, the nearest people started to turn, but too slow. Katja was aggressive, snapping and snarling as she bit them and tore the weapons out of their hands. I didn't wait around to see how she did, though. I waded into the fray and hauled the foremost attackers off the stranger, kicking them back and swinging with the blunt end of my axe. They shouted at me, wanted to know who I was, and how dare I barge in like that, did I know what kind of scum I was protecting, etc, etc. I picked up the stranger under one arm and hefted the axe with the other. The stranger coughed and looked up at me, new bruises forming along his cheek. His mouth moved, his eyes held a question, but I couldn't tell what he wanted to ask. The mob surged forward again, and I was severely outnumbered. I swung my axe again, this time with the sharp end, enough to make the people in front of me back off, and that was enough for me to kick them down and create an opening for me to break away. The mob pursued me. Not sure why. I was headed out of town anyways, and that was what they wanted, right? They could have just let me leave. But they didn't. So I whistled for Katja and we hurtled through the streets back towards the cart. The stranger squirmed. I dropped him. He fell to the ground and didn't get up, wheezing painfully. His breath whistled. Get up! I snapped at him. This is no time to be laying around! He was too slow. The shouting of our pursuers was drawing nearer. So I... Ugh, I 
threw away my axe and picked him up in my arms and started running again. We made it to the cart. I dumped him in the back, roughly, and buckled Katja up in the harness as quickly as I could. Just as the front of the mob rounded the corner, I climbed onto the cart and whistled for the dogs to go, and we pulled away, the cart clattering on the cracked asphalt roads of the town as we made our escape. I didn't stop until we were well into the woods. I think we might be a little lost now, but it's whatever. I know how to survive without maps to help. The stranger fell asleep somewhere along the way. He looks beaten up, so I'll probably have to look at that tomorrow morning. God, what a mess. I hope I have enough medical supplies on hand. Otherwise, I might have to make a stop at... The window of the cart is open. There's a breeze. I never open the windows. The stranger's asleep. Someone's in here. Hey, whoever you are, you better close that window- oh! Don't move. Don't try any funny business. If you move wrong, I'll shoot you. What the hell do you want? You have five seconds to explain exactly why you're wearing my sister's coat. When Persephone Woke is written and produced by Jessica Tang and voiced by Ali Rose. Music was composed by the artists Disparition and Transient and used under the Creative Commons license. Visit disparition.info and noisyvagabond.wordpress.com to learn more about their work. If you enjoyed this project, please consider leaving a review or commenting at whenperseveniwoke.weebly.com. Thank you for listening.